from world conflicts to falling financial markets, natural disasters, and more. Wish the headlines would just stop. It's not a newsflash that life can feel like a pressure cooker. From managing work to building relationships, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And for many of us, anxiety and stress are constant companions. But you are not alone. Support is out there, just waiting to meet you. And you can find it through friendly people at churchescare.com. At churchescare.com, we know that finding your community can feel intimidating. That's why we do the heavy lifting for you. Churchescare.com helps connect people like you to churches that can support and serve you. In your new community, you'll find a group of people ready to talk, listen, and help you navigate life through its twists and turns. All you have to do is come as you are. If you're ready to find your community, visit churchescare.com today. That's C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S care.com. We look forward to serving you. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxone Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Welcome everyone to Too Good to Be True. Thank you for taking the time to listen. The subject for today's show is GMOs. Before we start getting into details, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it. We choose a subject and research it, and based on that research, we determine what we think needs to be explained by creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. The psychic insight is narrated towards the end of the show. Accepting the psychic insight is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers. Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subjects that we discuss. We relate information we find through research in the psychic insight. We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. The show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means that there will be information that we miss. We want to provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We are only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time in history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter in shows may have already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. We're not so good with pronouncing names, we apologize, and neither of us have any particular knowledge of agriculture, horticulture, or genetics. If we have misstated anything, we apologize. The subject of GMOs seems to be very polarized. There appears to be no middle ground. 
In the United States, GMO plants are very much part of the food supply, with, for example, 92% of field corn being from GMO seed based on 2015 data. But can you provide a definition for a GMO? The following is from Wikipedia, quote, a genetically modified organism, GMO, is any organism whose genetic material has been altered using genetic engineering techniques. The exact definition of a genetically modified organism and what constitutes genetic engineering varies, with the most common being an organism altered in a way that does not naturally does not occur naturally by mating and or natural recombination. A wide variety of organisms have been genetically modified from animals to plants and microorganisms. Genes have been transferred within the same species across species, creating transgenic organisms and even across kingdoms. New genes can be, can be introduced or endogenous genes can be enhanced, altered or knocked out." Unquote. A gene is a portion of a DNA molecule that serves as the basic unit of heredity. Endogenous genes are genes that are from the starting from the starting plant or animal before any modification. So with GMOs, years of selective breeding can be bypassed by modifying genes in the laboratory. That's one argument for GMOs in that selective breeding has modified plants and animals anyway. So why worry about taking shortcuts? Different specialized breeds of dogs have arisen from selective breeding. For example, dogs that herd sheep versus dogs that are used for hunting. But do you have an example of selective breeding in plants? Yes, corner maize that was originally a form of grass. Corner maize was domesticated and developed in an area including Central America after splitting off from teosinte grass 9,000 years ago. Corn doesn't look much like grass, but its DNA is very similar to that of the original plant. With GMO technology being different from conventional horticulture, with genes from other species being introduced into the DNA, what are the risks? Depending on where you look, they are either very high risks or very low risks. A Forbes magazine article from February of 2018 suggests that the benefits outweigh any of the risks. Quote, now a new report published in Nature's Scientific Reports has the potential to help put a categorical end to these worries. The report compiles the entire body of science that previously examined the impact of genetically modified corn, over 6,000 published articles, and distills the essential findings of that massive research. The conclusion of the report is clear-cut. It is a dramatic account how big the benefit and small the risk is from GMO crops." Unquote. Presumably, the advantage is more food from higher-yielding plants. Yes, the Forbes article claims that the science is solid on the advantages when growing on GMO and conventional crops under identical conditions in large field trials. Quote, first, genetic modification increases corn yields by a lot. This is not surprising. Pests account for a loss of almost one third of yields and weeds for, uh, for a loss of another 10%. Genetic modification addresses these two sources of loss and thus Crops resistant to either pests or weeds yield on average 10% more grain, and crops resistant to both deliver a 25% increase in grain yield. Consider the global importance of such an effect. The world would use one-fifth less farmland to produce its food. This means less deforestation. It also means less green greenhouse gas emissions, but as much as one-eighth of the annual emissions from automobiles. There is no other policy that a true environmentalist should support more vigorously than the tra transition of the rest of the world to GMO-based agriculture." Unquote. That's an interesting claim that GMOs are environmentally friendly, but how can a plant be made more resistant to pests and weeds? The Conversation website explains how that is achieved. Quote, Two groups of genetically modified crops are widely grown. The first are altered so that they are not affected by the herbicide glyphosate, which means that farmers can eliminate weeds without harming their crop. Glyphosate-resistant crops can increase farming efficiency, but while helping to get rid of weeds, herbicide resistance has no direct effect on the quantity of food produced, so their contribution to food security is likely to be limited. The second type produce a natural insecticide inside the parts of the plant that eat the, the pests eat. 
This protects yields of these crops against insect infestation, which is arguably more environmentally friendly than using sprays that could be toxic to other organisms. Crops of this type are likely to be useful, but we should increase the number of insecticide genes that we employ to prevent evolution of resistant pests." Unquote. The stated now increase in yields for glyphosate GMO crops is confusing. We've already heard that, the, that those can have a yield improvement, so it might depend on the type of crop and on other variables. But how did scientists make these changes in plant genetics? The Colorado State University Extension website provides an explanation, quote, insect-resistant crops contain genes from the soil bacterium Bacillus thuringiensis, Bt. The protein produced in the plant by the Bt gene is toxic to a targeted group of insects, for example, European corn borer or corn rootworm, but not to mammals. The most common herbicide-tolerant crops are known as Roundup Ready, meaning they are tolerant to gly glyphosate, the active ingredient in Roundup herbicide. Glyphosate inactivates a key enzyme involved in amino acid synthesis that is present in all green plants. Therefore, it is an effective broad-spectrum herbicide against nerlule weeds. Roundup Ready crops have been engineered to produce a resistant form of the enzyme, so they remain healthy even after being sprayed with glyphosate." Unquote. Are there issues with crops that are Roundup Ready with resistance to the herbicide glyphosate? That's an ongoing discussion. Here's a quote from National Public Radio's website from March 27, 2019. Quote, a jury in San Francisco has awarded a California man $80 million in damages after he claimed that the weed killer Roundup caused his cancer. The same six-person panel earlier this month sided with 70-year-old Edwin Hardiman, whose lawyers argued that the glyphosate-based herbicide was a substantial factor in causing non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in Hardiman. The Sonoma County man was diagnosed in February of 2015. Hardiman has used Roundup on his 56-acre property for more than two decades, according to his lawsuit, unquote. Conglomerate Bayer bought out Monsanto who developed Roundup. Bayer stated that they're going to appeal, but according to Fortune, Ma to Fortune magazine dated February the 27th, 2019, Bayer already are facing also lawsuits from around 11,200 plaintiffs over health implications of its glyphosate-based weed killers. There has been a lot of litigation in the past with around 150 farmers over two decades they wanted to use their own seed from their own crops. They have been sued by Monsanto with every farmer losing their case. One case went to the Supreme Court who unanimously upheld Monsanto's verdicts, but somehow with, but somehow with a former Monsanto corporate lawyer on the bench. But the legal theory is that cross-pollination includes the GMO genes and seeds from plants that were not originally GMO. Are there any issues associated with the use of pesticide-resistant GMOs? According to a, a The Scientist article from October 2017, insects are becoming resistant to GMO plants with engineered insecticide. Quote, resistance to insecticides produced by genetically modified crops is on the rise, according to a study published Wednesday, October 11th in Nature Biotechnology. For more than 20 years, farmers across the globe have been planting crops, including corn, cotton, and soybeans, that have been genetically modified to express insecticide genes from the bacterium Bacillus thuringiensis, Bt. When susceptible pests munch on the Bt crops, they get poisoned, but the insects that have developed resistance to Bt toxins can live on undeterred, and that resistance is growing. It has been in the newspapers in India that farm workers throughout the country are getting allergic reactions from handling Bt cotton. Bt corn has been available since 2013. I think we'll have to continue discussing GMOs after the short break. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xcbn.net.
It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by Shaman Worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were discussing an article from The Scientist. And let's continue the discussion about GMO crops. What about disease resistance of GMO crops, Dad? That seems to be the subject of more recent research. The explanations for gene modification are complex. Perhaps it's better to look at some of the results. The Genetic Literacy Project website provides examples of work in progress as of May of 2018. Tomatoes. Bacterial spot diseases plagued pepper and tomato fields worldwide. Plant breeders have identified the BS2 gene from pepper as a key to genetic resistance. BS2 tomatoes have been developed containing the gene from pepper so that they present the same resistant traits. In multi-year experiments, BS2 tomatoes have exhibited extremely low levels of disease symptoms when compared with susceptible controls. Citrus. In just 10 years of battling who, sorry, Huang Longbing, HLB, Florida's citrus industry has lost nearly half of its $1.5 billion on-tree fruit value. Using biotechnology, plant breeders have been able to cut the time it takes to ensure that a new tree possesses resistant genetics, unquote. The ATNPR1 gene from the small Arabidopsis selenia flowering plant has been evaluated for introduction into strawberry and other plants for increased disease resistance. Strawberries are afflicted by a variety of bacterial and fungal pathogens. What are the objections to GMO modification for disease resistance? It may be early days of the new technology. I could find only little or nothing on specific objections. What are the actual monetary savings that result from the use of GMOs? According to a 2016 study by a group called PG Economics, the savings around the world was averaging at more than $100 per hectare or about $40 per acre, with farmers in developing countries seeing the largest gains. We have discussed plants, but is there such a thing as a GMO animal? There is. The fish-farmed Aqua Advantage salmon, which is described in a Time magazine article from November of 2015 as follows, quote, it's taken nearly 20 years, but Aqua Advantage salmon will soon be served in restaurants and appearing at your local fish counter. Aqua Advantage is a man-made breed of salmon that's part of part Atlantic salmon and part Chinook salmon, with a few genes from other fish thrown in that rev up the animal's growth processes, so they're active most of the year as opposed to only part of the year. With these changes, Aqua Advantage's developer, Aquabanti Technologies, 
says that the salmon grow at a tw twice the rate of farm-raised fish. The article continues. The Food and Drug Administration said that it rigorously evaluated extensive data submitted by the manufacturer, Aquabanti Technologies, and other peer-reviewed data and determined that it is safe to eat by humans and animals. Most studies on animals that are fed genetically modified foods don't show serious health effects, though there are a few that hint at potential harm to organs like the kidneys, liver and heart as well as increased risk of cancers and early death in these animals." Unquote. The genes of the ocean pad, which resembles an eel, an eel, are used in the GMO salmon. The ocean pad has an antifreeze protein in its blood, leading to a higher concentration of growth hormone. Up to 25% less food is needed for the GMO salmon, which grows year-round. The FDA finally cleared the way for sale of GMO salmon on March 8, 2019. How will you know if you're buying GMO salmon? You may not. Labeling of salmon as GMO is voluntary. An obvious concern is that the fish will escape, presumably to permanently change the genes of the wild population. The GMO Aqua Advantage salmon only include females, female fish raised from eggs that are treated to render the adult fish infertile, or rather 98% of them. The FDA's approval is specific to an egg production facility on Prince Edward Island, Canada, and to a fish production facility in Panama. Here's a quote from the BioFortified website regarding the egg production facility, which has physical filters and treatment of water with chlorine in the drainage area. Quote, any eggs that did make it past the filters and chlorine would need to find a hospitable place to grow into adult fish. In the past, the Atlantic salmon lived in this area, but overfishing, barriers to migration and acid rain have made them locally extinct. So any escaped eggs that managed to grow into adult female fish would not find a male to mate with. In the winter, temperatures in bodies of water and in the facility are too low for salmon. Barriers to migration would, would prevent any escaped fish from moving out to sea during the summer. The eggs are raised in fresh water and the relatively high salinity in the nearby river would further reduce likelihood of survival." Unquote. What about the security at the production facility in Panama? The same biofortified article describes security at the production facility. Quote, the fish production facility is located at a high altitude in Panama, near a river that drains to the Pacific Ocean. Much of the river water, up to 100% in the four to five month dry season, is used for power generation and the canals that control water flow to power generation facilities are not suitable for salmon. Dams provide a physical barrier to movement downstream. If any fish escaped and they managed to get past the barriers, they could survive in the river closest to the facility. If they try to move out to sea though, the high temperatures in the lower parts of the river would kill the salmon. While escaped salmon might live in the upper river for a short time, they would not find any males to mate with and escape to the Pacific Ocean is very unlikely." Unquote. What objections are there to GMO salmon? On March the 31st, 2016, the Center for Food Safety sued the FDA, challenging their jurisdiction. The following is from the center's website, quote, the lawsuit challenges FDA's claim that it has authority to approve and regulate GE animals as animal drugs under the 1938 Federal Food, Drug and Cosmetic Act. Those provisions were meant to ensure the safety of veterinary drugs administered to treat disease in livestock and were not intended to address entirely new GE animals that can pass along their altered gene to the next generation. The approval of the GE salmon opens the door to other genetically engineered fish and shellfish, as well as chickens, cows, sheep, goats, rabbits and pigs that are reportedly in development. The lawsuit also highlights FDA's failure to protect the environment and consult wildlife agencies in its review process as required by federal law. U.S. Atlantic salmon and many populations of Pacific salmon are protected by the Endangered Species Act and in danger of extinction. Salmon is a keystone species and unique runs have been treasured by residents for thousands of years. Diverse salmon runs today sustain thousands of American fishing families and are highly valued in domestic markets as a healthy domestic green food." Unquote. 
The Center for Food Safety is a U.S. environmental nonprofit organization based in Washington, D.C. So what happened to the lawsuit? As far as I know, it's still alive, but the Center for Food Safety on August the 1st, 2018, also filed suit against the current administration in the United States over delays in requiring GMO labeling of food. They consider that to be completely unlawful as a law requiring labeling has been passed by Congress. In comparison, the European Court of Justice has ruled that all new types of genetic engineering techniques and applications to seeds and food are required to be regulated as GMOs. Let's change the subject to mosquitoes. The obvious goal is to stop spreading diseases, primarily malaria, while avoiding massive use of pesticides. One type of GMO mosquito is known as a gene drive, is being engineered to produce females that do not lay eggs. The intention is to crash the mosquito population. A Scientific American article from September of 2017 provides an overview, overview as follows. Quote, teams in three African countries, Burkina Faso, Mali, Mali rather, and Uganda, are building the groundwork to eventually let loose, let loose gene-drive mosquitoes, which would contain a mutation that would significantly and quickly reduce the mosquito population. Genetically engineered mosquitoes have already been released in places like Brazil and the Cayman Islands, though animals with gene drives have never been released in the wild." Unquote. Burkina Faso was previously named the Republic of Upper Volta. Are there issues associated with the introduction of GMO mosquitoes? A London Daily Telegraph article from August of 2018 asking the question of whether gene editing can kill off malaria to save the lives of millions of people identifies two major issues. Firstly, the lack of a supranatural regulatory authority for technology that will ignore national borders as gene drive mosquitoes will be expected to spread rapidly across Africa. Secondly, growing opposition of environmentalists to gene drive technology. Ecosystems could be destroyed, other harmful, other harmful species could fill the void of the missing mosquitoes. Also, there is a fear that the gene drive genes could jump across species or cause mutations or other unforeseen consequences. Another issue is that there is the belief that it is unethical to experiment in poorer countries with gene drive editing to be applied to other species as part of an agenda for future GMOs. Changing subjects again, what are the effects of eating GMO food? According to the American Academy of Environmental Medicine, AAEM, it is best to avoid them. Here is a quote from the Responsible Technology website. Several animal studies indicate serious health risks associated with genetically modified GM food, AAEM 2009, including infertility, immune problems, accelerating aging, uh, faultiness of regulation and changes in major organs and the gastrointestinal system. We'll have to continue this code after the short break, and you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xcbn.net. here and they've been here for thousands of years making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. 
Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simo TV. Simo TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, Dad, you were quoting from the American Academy of Environmental Medicine from a responsibility technology website. So can you please continue with this quote? Yes, there's only one more sentence. Uh, the AAEM has asked physicians to advise all patients to avoid GMO foods, unquote. The same article continues regarding allergies with soy allergy as an example, quote, soy allergies skyrocketed by 50% in the UK soon after GMO, sorry, GM soy was introduced. A skin prick allergy test shows that some people react to GM soy, but not to wild natural soy. Cooked GM soy contains as much as seven times the amount of a known soy allergen. GM soy also contains a new unexpected allergen not found in natural in wild natural soy. Unquote. We didn't have time to discuss drought-resistant GMO crops like cotton, but please ask the first question. How can non-GMO corn, following selective breeding involving only a handful of genes being altered, look so different from the type of grass it originated from? Basically, each gene is responsible for many different things. So you can think about the actual internal makeup of the corn. So by altering just one little part of the corn, it can have very, very large effects. So you have to think about these very tiny changes can have very large outcomes. So even one change in the sequence, let's call it, could affect a bunch of different changes, can make something that is totally different. Besides funding for research influencing the type of research that is conducted, how can a review of over 6,000 scientific articles arrive at the finding that there are large benefits and small risks from GMO crops? Basically, the problem with GMOs in general is that it's trying to solve a problem. So a lot of people are supportive when a problem is being solved. For example, making crops more abundant, making crops grow in new areas, etc. However, when scientists are looking at their research, they're looking at numbers. So the numbers that play for GMO crops make it so there are a lot more crops. Therefore, it's a positive thing. However, they're looking at the overall big picture where there's this bigger picture where everything on earth kind of fits together like a puzzle. So because a crop can't grow in an area isn't always a bad thing. That means that something else can grow there. So the puzzle pieces go together. So the overall picture needs to be studied, not just the numbers, since if you're looking for the number of GMO crops, they actually look very good. Since they're increasing the production of crops, 
and making food and helping with the issue that a lot of people don't have food, which overall with that makes it look like a good thing. Are non-GMO corneals on average reduced by one third by pests and by weeds by a further tenth? Yes. Can a GMO corn crop deliver 25% more yield over a non-GMO corn, cro corn GMO crop grown under similar conditions? That's correct. With GMOs, would one-fifth less farmland be needed to produce the same amount of food with the result of less deforestation and less pollution by farm and other vehicles? It depends on what crop it is and how the crop is actually GMO'd. But yes, it could take up a smaller area and have more production. Does the herbicide glyphosate inactivate a key enzyme involved in amino acid synthesis that is present in all green plants to become an effective broad-spectrum herbicide against nearly all weeds? In a lot of cases, yes. Have Roundup-ready or glyphosate-resistant crops been engineered to produce a resistant form of the key enzyme involved in amino acid synthesis so they remain healthy even after being sprayed with glyphosate? Yes. Is it true that resistance to glyphosate herbicides has no direct effect on the quantity of food produced? It again depends on individual basis, but overall it is about the same yield, yes. Can continued exposure to glyphosate-based herbicide be a substantial factor in causing non-Hodgkinson's lymphoma or other cancers? There have been studies that have been related the two, yes. So the hard part again is isolating if the person's cancer was directly caused or whether there were other causes. So the hard part is that so many different things cause cancer these days, it's hard to link directly one cause. Can continued exposure to glyphosate-based herbicide trigger medical conditions other than cancer? Yes, it's 100% possible. Other than creating a total monopoly in the United States, why is the major producer of GMO seeds so aggressive in suing farmers who want to use their own seeds? Basically because of money. So when someone's running a monopoly, they want to be the best and the greatest. And when they're competitors, it is easy to see the dollar signs and not the ethics and morals of the situation. Why in the United States has every farmer who wanted to use their own seeds lost their case against the major producer of GMO seeds? Overall, GMOs are made out to be such a wonderful thing. So the positives are a lot more put out there than the negatives. Therefore, when cases are being argued, number one, the more wealthy usually has the better support. And number two, the farmers may not be as educated about their case. So there are many different factors at play, but overall the farmers are just at a huge disadvantage. How could the United States Supreme Court rule in favor of the major producer of GMO seeds with the apparent conflict of interest of a former employee of the same major producer of GMO seeds sitting on the bench? Basically how the justice system is not always just, so it's still humans and humans still have a lot of bias. Is use of GMOs that produce a natural insecticide inside the parts of the plant that pests eat more environmentally friendly than using sprays that could be toxic to other creatures that don't eat the plants? Yes and no, so it really depends on the individual circumstance. But overall, spraying can affect other plants, animals, and even affect the ground and the groundwater. However, the issue again is still that when you're changing something about a crop, there's always unpredictability. So for example, the bees or insects may still be affected greatly by the plant. So creatures may still be affected when they eat the plant or involved in the crop. Are crops that produce their own insecticide likely to be useful to the point that an increased number of insecticide genes should be employed to prevent evolution of resistant pests? So the problem is when a plant, for example, becomes more resistant, you can think of it as putting on a coat of armor. And the insect will also deploy something to fight this coat of armor. But then the plant again gets altered and puts on more coats of armor. And the insect again finds a different means. So it's a whole battle where both can become more resistant and eventually can create both a plant that's pretty resistant, but also an insect that's learning from the resistance. So it's a never ending battle where everything is always learning. Is the protein produced in plants by the Bt gene toxic to a targeted group of insects, but not to mammals? 
there are still some mammals that would be affected, so it really depends on the health of the mammal beforehand. So yes, it would target certain insects, but it's not 100% effective of not affecting other creatures. Is there more risk involved when a plant species is modified with genes from a non-plant species, such as from bacteria? Yes, that causes a whole other discussion where there's another organism represented. So where one corn is mixed with another corn, there's usually a natural cycle of things where there is at least the same species and the same crop you're dealing with. When other organisms are entering the picture, that's when things get a little strange, since putting two different things together can have unpredictable results. Is resistance to the Bt toxin insecticide in genetically modified crops on the rise? Yes. Why would there be an allergic reaction from handling Bt cotton? Basically, since it's not something that's fully 100% safe. So it's still something that can hurt animals, humans, even the plants. So any chemical is not 100% safe, and there's still a sensitivity to everything, including even simple chemicals, since everyone is going to be different and everything is going to be different. Are GMO tomatoes modified by the BS2 gene from pepper plants long-term key to genetic resistance to bacterial spot disease? It's a possibility, yes. Why has Florida's citrus industry only been recently dramatically affected by the Huang Longbing or HLB, HLB disease? Is it because of environmental factors? Yes and no. So yes, there's environmental factors at play, but there's also the changing in the environment that is caused by humans. Where did the Huang Longbing or HLB disease come from? It's something that you could say mutated from other diseases. So it's a combination where one disease mutated into something combined with something else. So it's just the natural evolution. Will biotechnology enable plant breeders in a short amount of time provide a new tree possessing genetics that are resistant to, resistant to HLB? Yes, but again, it needs to be thought of as, is the disease going to be wiped out or is it going to grow into something different? Would a new tree be less resistant to diseases other than HLB? Depending on how it's altered. So it really depends on how the actual genetics are altered. Is there significant risk involved in introducing Arabidopsis derived genes into strawberries? There would be some very horrible consequences if done wrong, yes. What could be the horrible consequences? Basically, it could have a negative impact actually in humans. So if not done 100% properly, the fruit could even eventually be actually become more toxic to humans than beneficial. I don't think we got another, we got enough time for another question before the break. So could you take us into the break, Justina? Yeah, so we'll continue with the questions and Psychic Insight after the short break. And you're listening to A Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. And they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. 
So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we're going through the questions in the psychic insight about GMOs. So, Dad, can you please continue with the questions? Why does there seem to be few objections so far to disease-resistant GMO crops? Basically, since from a positive standpoint, they sound very good. So having crops in smaller areas, having more of the crop, being able to feed more people, being able to fight diseases. There are many benefits that are usually listed. However, there are these negative consequences, and when someone is convinced that GMO products are good, they are very strong on their stance. They don't listen to the possible consequences, since to them the bigger picture matters compared with the smaller picture of the possible consequences. So they focus more on the number of crops, the number of people that they could feed, etc. So a lot of people who are supporting GMOs aren't trying to harm anyone, or harm the environment, or harm anything. But instead they don't read or educate themselves in the possible consequences. And they don't read on how sometimes messing with the natural processes of things can actually go very wrong. With the use of GMO crops, are the estimated average worldwide savings of more than $100 per hectare or about $40 per acre realistic? Yes, there would be significant money saved, which means more money in certain people's pockets. But this overall money could also be affected by how many crops are planted and also how expensive the process to GMO the foods actually is. In the long term, yes, there would be a significant increase in the income. Are those savings sustainable over time? No, 100% not. Is the conclusion correct that GMO salmon are safe to be eaten by humans and animals? For now, yes, but it also depends on what happens in the future. So it's also important to keep updated on the research and continue researching the GMO methods and scientists continue to study the effects on humans and animals. Has the risk of escape into the wild of GMO salmon, either from the egg production facility or from the fish production facility, been sufficiently mitigated? Yes and no. There's always more that people can do to make sure the salmon, salmon stay contained. However, it is a question of money and if the companies want to put that much money to make sure their facilities are fully secure. Is the fear of GMO salmon escaping justified by the ensuing effects on the wild population? Yes, it would be completely changed. A natural salmon as we know it now would not be the same at all. With endangered and other species at risk, why weren't wildlife agencies consulted in the review process for GMO salmon? Basically, a lot of different agencies aren't thought of as being as important as they should be. Since so the people thought that it wasn't something that these people need to be consulted, since it was a separate issue. However, they obviously should have been consulted. Has GMO food production moved ahead of the of conventional regulatory bodies? For example, GMOs are not animal drugs as defined in the United States, but should be included in a specific GMO category. Yes, that could be said. In contrast, why did the European Court of Justice rule that all new types of genetic engineering techniques and application to seeds and food are required to be regulated as GMOs? Basically, what's going into a person's body should be 100% regulated. So that's where the process comes into play where the money is spent. So many different labs and many different scientists can look at those seeds and foods. So there's the issue is that it's a conversation is that is the money going to be able to be put into it 
or is it something that people don't want to deal with the cost? Why in the United States is there such a reluctance to have labeling of GMO food products when apparently Congress has required it? Basically just money. So a lot of companies don't want to go through the process of relabeling and also going through the process of getting approval takes a lot. So a lot of companies are just very resistant to having more labels on their food since they want their food automatically attracted to customers. So everything on their labels, they want to be a positive experience. So labeling something GMO, their fear is that people wouldn't actually buy it since there would be this fear. Does the approval of GMO salmon open the door to other genetically engineered fish and shellfish, as well as chickens, cows, sheep, goats, rabbits and pigs that are reportedly in development? Yes, among even other animals. Are the claims correct that malaria and other diseases can be greatly reduced by the introduction of gene-driving mosquitoes containing a mutation that would rapidly reduce the mosquito population? The issue is that messing with mosquitoes is that they are a big part of the whole evolution and how different animals in the whole ecosystem work together. So mosquitoes have been around for so long that messing with something like them, if not done in the proper manner, could have very negative consequences. If gene drive technology works, a supernatural regulatory authority has been defined as being necessary as mosquitoes will cross borders. But why isn't this approach being applied to all GMOs, which will inevitably will migrate, but just more slowly than GMO mosquitoes? For the people supporting GMOs, that just seems like something of an afterthought. So the thinking is that the here and now and not the future and what could happen. Could the large-scale elimination of mosquito damage, sorry, I'll start again. Could the large-scale elimination of mosquitoes damage ecosystems with other harmful species filling the ensuing void, requiring more genetic modification? Yes, it could evolve into a vicious cycle easily. Is there more than a possibility that gene drive or other genetically engineered alterations could jump across species or cause dangerous mutations and other unforeseen consequences. Yes, that's 100% realistic. As reported, why do most studies on animals that are fed genetically modified foods show no serious health effects, while a few studies hint at potential harm to organs like the kidneys, liver and heart, as well as increased risk of cancers and early death? Again, it depends on the bias of the lab, what, are they, what they are testing for what their sample size is, many different factors, and also on how long the study has been performed. So long-term effects need to be studied, not the here and now. Also as reported, why have several other animal studies indicated serious health risks associated with genetically modified food, including infertility, immune problems, accelerated aging, faulty insulin regulation, and changes in major organs and the gastrointestinal system? Again, it depends on what factors are in play in the studies. So the overall conclusion can be that for some animals, yes, there won't be these horrible consequences. But just like any medication has a side effect, there are a lot of side effects of different GMOs and animals. So there always is the heads and tails of a situation. And the hard decision for humans is to decide if the risks are actually low enough that the benefits outweigh them. Why has genetically engineered soy reportedly resulted in an increase in the soy allergen with an increase in allergic reactions in humans? Basically, since humans can't digest them fully like they used to. So humans over time with their evolution have gotten used to how their food is, how the different proteins are broken down in the body. So introducing things that are different makes it harder in the body since humans need to evolve with that. But if the introduction of different proteins, for example, are done too quickly, that's when the human body doesn't have enough time to adapt. With GMOs in human and animal food, what should you do to counter any adverse effects from, for example, GMO wheat or high fructose corn syrup or from GMO corn-fed animals? Basically, that's on an individual basis. So it's really about how each person decides what goes into their body and also decides which benefits outweigh the risks. So the problem with any food, any GMO or anything, is that really up to the individual person and what they're going to introduce into their body. But overall, there needs to be options for overall different types of people. So the introduction of organic foods, for example, non-GMO foods and even healthier options is very important. 
So every person has their own decision on if certain GMO products are something that should be in the market, should be in their bodies, and overall should be something they believe in or don't. Will there be a reaction from the planet, not just plants and animals, but the earth itself as use of GMOs increase? Yes, the planet is affected by all changes, especially with ones dealing with plants. Is it true that there's no way back once GMOs are introduced and that the reintroduction of heirloom species will not undo the introduction of GMOs? Yes, that's true. What can people do themselves when making a decision about GMOs? Each person has an individual decision every time they go to the supermarket to choose which brands they decide to buy or not buy. So if someone decides to buy a GMO product, that's their decision. It's their decision if they want to buy something that's more natural, more organic, that says non-GMO on it. So every product a person buys is a personal one. And each decision they make actually does have an impact on the market. But if 5,000 people stop buying that product, it would have a large impact. So even though it's just one person, then their decision could eventually have a huge effect on the market and what products are in demand. That was the last answer. Are entirely safe GMOs too good to be true? That depends on what you are prepared to believe. Well, that was a lot of information, a lot to take in, but uh, I guess I have to end with what we started with. It's a very polarized debate. It doesn't seem to be any middle ground. People are strongly for GMOs or strongly against them. On that note, I'll mention our Facebook page at Too Good To Be True with the first T spelled T-W-O and our website at TooGoodToBeTrue.net. And if you have any suggestions, if you want to dig deeper into maybe going into something specific about GMOs, if you have any comments on the discussion, feel free to shoot us a message. And if you have any other suggestions on non-related topics, we would love to hear from those too. And as always, thank you so much for listening and we look forward to next week's show. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. 
To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simultv, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simultv. Simultv offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. <laughs> 